should have. I mean, it's not too late. You know, you could still. Play it on the set. Okay, that was better. Welcome to Deutero Cannons, episode 24. I'm Justin, and with me always is Byron. Party on, Byron. Party on, Justin. So just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, if you are watching, listening on Facebook, well, it's not live. I, I, don't, I don't think that you are. I mean, the, you, you're watching it later. But whenever you're watching it, that's great. Um, give a like or a comment. Well, what do you do on Facebook? I, I you don't follow. I just you you like it. You right? like and share. And, you like and, and share. Such. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. The video from last week's not even up yet because our internet is so bad here. <laughs> it's still uploading. So wait, wait, wait. It's it, it's still uploading. It hasn't like just timed out. Well, by that I mean it took me a while for it to convert the last time we we're here, mm -hmm. and uh, then I got here and remembered I hadn't uploaded it. So some of it's on me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we are also on various podcast uh, streaming services. We are on Apple Podcast, Podbean. We are on Audible. Anything else? Yeah. Has, just, has, has Spotify worked out? It has not yet. I think you have to pay extra for that. Pa oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Forget that. Actually, we Pandora. Might have, we might have paid extra. And I just haven't set it up. I don't. I don't. I can't seem to figure Pandora out. Hmm. It's not due to lack of trying either, people. That's, you know, a, a hard box to get into. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, hot take. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, just trying to uh, broaden the reach a little bit. But, I mean, honestly, any reach beyond the two of us, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful. So all 18 of you listening, share this with somebody. <laughs> and then it'll become whatever 18 times 2 is. Exactly. 36. Uh, I don't think that math checks out, actually. Does it not? Stick with language arts. Is 18 times 2, not 36? Yeah, but if each of the 18 share it with two friends. Oh, well, okay, two. Okay. Yeah. I, I just thought one. Don't do that. Share it with more people. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not, trying to pe not trying to be pushy here. <laughs> so uh, tonight's topic is uh, one that, that I've been th thinking about for uh, a few weeks and I, I guess I'll just throw the title out there and then try to tell some of the, the backstory and how I've, how I've gotten here. This, this is very much going to be like a, a thought in progress and I'm, I'm really interested, Byron, to, to hear your feedback on it, um, just things that you might have to, to add because, yeah, this is just an idea that I'm, I'm developing. The, the topic is Voices in the Wilderness, the Margin versus the Majority. I will just say this, since this is a, like, so we're, we're basically thinking out loud here is what you're saying? Absolutely, we are. Okay. I mean, we sort of always I'm going to make a conscious effort to keep the rights and the ums and the likes to a minimum. I'm doing my best, people. Just just wanted to throw that disclaimer out. <laughs> did somebody exhort you? No, nobody did. Well, it, they have in the past. And then sure. I'm, con I'm I'm just conscientious of it. But then like, when you get in the middle of a thought, like when you're developing, see, I just did it. I just liked <laughs> when you are, when you are working on a thought on the spot, you know, sometimes you need a crutch word. 
So it's one of those places where if we just leave a pause, we can fix it in post-production. Justin, <laughs> sure. Yes. And we just make a loud noise so that it's, you you know, in the, in the audio track when something spikes. I'm just going to go through and cut and clip, you know, cut and clip all the, or clip and like paste all those gaps together. So it's just a seamless thing of words. That, that would be good. Okay. I mean, or those could be the times when you insert other, other media, <laughs> sound bites, musical interludes. Like, like this is old, old uh, daytime radio and there's like boing and things like that. I mean, not, not necessarily <laughs> comedic in like in nature. Okay. I mean, serious things like some sort of like really nice lick on guitar. <laughs> okay. Or the, maybe just like a, the serene sound an of artistic, turning of pages. An artistic ethereal swell. I feel like what you're doing is you're kind of th like using a back door to get to the NPR thing you're looking for. Basically. <laughs> so once again, the topic is voices in the wilderness, the margin versus the majority. <clears throat> so the way that I started even thinking about the word margin is through a fellow who does podcasts and YouTube videos. And I'm not really in that world a whole lot. There are just a, a very few people who, who I listen to. I, I don't have time to, I guess, find out whatever is in the YouTube world in general. There are just a few people here and there who I've, who I've come across or who have been recommended to me. And one of them is a fellow named Jonathan Pajot. And if there were any way that I could get Jonathan Pajot on our show uh, podcast some night, that would be, it, it would blow my mind. That'd be interesting for sure. Have you, uh, do you have any experience listening or, or watching Pajot? Um, so I've, I've listened to the, uh, interview he did with Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. I think he was on Jordan Peterson's podcast. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. I don't think I've listened to anything else of his. Yeah. I guess I don't recall. Cause typically if I do hear an interview or watch a video on somebody like that, then, you know, you start to choose your own adventure of like, who is this guy? I don't recall digging much deeper than that that one episode, though, with him specifically. Mm -hmm. So he talks a lot about the script, the, the symbolism in the scriptures and symbolism across other, other texts through art, mm -hmm. really everything that mankind has produced, like the symbolism that it has emerged right. over time. <clears throat> And he also talks about what's going on in the world today. He criticizes, for example, what he calls parasitic storytelling, hmm. where, where whoever would have been the, the hero from a classical standpoint becomes the villain. Okay. Or the one who would be the strong one, or even is who, who, who is portrayed as the strong one, is, is then made weak. Like so, it's this th this inversion uh, going on, and there there there's this word that he he frequently uses that I hadn't ever thought about being a helpful word when we consider what's going on in here's a term that we use a lot here on Deuterocanons the pattern of the world. Mm -hmm. Pajo is all about trying to understand the symbolism that is within the pattern of the world as opposed to the patterns that are manifested in the scriptures. So, I mean, would an example of the parasitic storytelling then be kind of what you're seeing in the Marvel unis universe now where, uh, you know, they're kind of like tearing down all these new, all these characters and trying to introduce new characters and 
and uh, absolutely, know. yeah, that that's that's exactly what it is. Or if you look at what what's happened to the Star Wars franchise, right? Yeah, like Luke goes nut. He's just this crazy old codger, right? Yeah, <clears throat> and kill off Han Solo. You lost me right there. <laughs> you you would think that the point of well, let's say that that if these artists, so to speak, directors, screenwriters, writers of other kinds, if they were, if they wanted to show the world stories that manifested their worldviews, yeah, you would think that perhaps they would come up with new characters, yeah. But what they do is they have to destroy the existing narratives. Maybe they deconstruct them? Right. Mm. They, they deconstruct them. The, the word parasitic, I think, is, is helpful yeah. to think about. You know, a, a parasite doesn't just do its own thing. It has to find a host. Yeah. And it lives off of the host. And whatever it is that the host is able to bring in. But ultimately the host dies and, and the parasite has to go on yeah. to something else. That's interesting. Cause right. they, they really are just latching onto the creativity of, you know, their predecessors. I, I was about to say Stan Lee. That's not Marvel though. That's DC. Right. So yeah, re- regardless, yeah. right. They're latching onto their, to the creativity of their predecessors and then, you know, sucking the life out of it effectively. <laughs> yeah. So I really hadn't thought about the word margin before. But the word that I, I hear more frequently is marginal, mm-hmm. which means having to do with or related to margarine. <laughs> I, think right? that's, I think that's right. Is that correct? Yeah. It's got the root, you know? It has the root. Yeah. No. So marginal and, and margin. Or uh, marginalized. That's All they... fake butter aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marginalized, marginalizing. Yeah. All of that. Those are those are the words that I was used to hearing, and I hadn't thought about the the noun form mm-hmm. margin. Right. So, question one, I reckon, what, what what does margin mean? I guess the first thing that comes to mind to me, <laughs> okay, I'm sure we can go somewhere with this, but obviously, like when you print out a document, you have the, the ability to set your margin, you know, and so which means what? So effectively, that is the outside edge of the paper where there will be no words right mm-hmm. and and you know you can make it smaller or larger to fit more or less words more content well not just words uh information on a page and so but i so i guess it, you know using that as an uh, an analogy or a metaphor like like the margin's not important it's just the excess it's excess space out on the edge you know, the, the obviously the when you're talking about a, a paper or story, like what matters are the words in the middle. Um, so, so does the margin have no function? The mar the margin, yeah. Okay, let's see. What would the margin have? What would the function of it be in this case? Um, so I know, uh, you know, that's where you're going to grab when you turn pages, right? There's that. Uh, mm-hmm. I know people will make notes in the margin. In fact, um, man, I was listening to something where they're talking about. Historical documents and uh, what's the word I'm looking for, though? Actual uh, manuscripts, you know? Marginalia. What's that? Marginalia is whatever is written in the margins. Like, so what scribe notes that scribes would make in the margins? Is that Uh what that's called? Right. Yeah, marginalia. Right. Actually, a lot of these books that belonged to R.H. Bowl 
contain marginalia. And that's that's one of the things that's so fascinating mm -hmm. about having a library from a particular person who was a thoughtful reader. Right. Is you, you get those things. Yeah. So you have on, on the one hand the writer's thoughts on the line and then you have the reader's thoughts in the margins. Mm -hmm. And so the point though is that the margin does have a function. Right. Like we don't need to go through all of these books and with a pair of scissors and cut the margin off and get rid of it so yeah. that we only keep the actual words mm -hmm. that are on the page. You know, so I guess w when I say what I said, uh, like there's a popular, there's popular thought now. I mean, because when you use that word like marginalized, marginalized people, these are the people on the margin that, that, you know, I guess the, the presupposition is that they somehow matter less or to be on the margins um, makes them second class citizens or something, right? Like that's, that's the that's what we're saying when we say that or that's what they're uh that is the oppression that they're claiming maybe yes yeah so that's why i've juxtaposed the word margin with the word majority mm. pajo uh he's actually greek orthodox or eastern orthodox i don't know if there's a, a really a difference between the two i'm not really up on yep orthodoxy i, I would have to assume they're different <clears throat> Because like Eastern Orthodox, that would be that would include the Russians, right? And Greek Orthodox would okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I guess that would be like Turkey and over though, right? Because the when you had the schism in the church, you had the East and the West. The mm -hmm. Eastern Church was in uh, Constantinople, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? And then the Western Church was in Rome. Um, so I, I'm just going to call him Orthodox. Yeah, I I think this is probably not important. I think Coptics also uh, fall under the Orthodox. I think you're right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. In fact, I think I recently recently might have seen a Coptic Orthodox church. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah. Maybe in Clarksville. I'm sure they're here. So, I mean, as an Arabic speaker, I I've had several, I've had a few instructors that were uh Egyptian and so some of them are Coptic Christians. Mm -hmm. Um and so, in fact, the last one of the last guys I had when I was doing tutoring in person, he was a Coptic. And so we talked a little bit about that about his his congregation here. So, mm. yeah. So mar margin versus uh, majority. Pajot is orthodox, and there's a, a very important word to the orthodox, and that's the word center. If if you if you read what orthodox thinkers, theologians, pastors, what what they the types of things that they say and the ways that they say them, a very common word that comes up is the center, mm -hmm. and the center would be that which. I mean, it's it's like first principles, first things, like like whatever is the most important. Okay. So Christ is the center, and because of that, I guess you could say the church is also the the center. And if you think about the expression, um, somebody might de be described as a centered person. Right. You know, meaning that that person is uh, maybe goal oriented. Okay. And ha because of that, has a certain steadiness. Huh? Have you heard that expression? I haven't, but I guess what I'm kind of picturing when you say something like that is like the bubble on a level, you know? Sure. You yeah. Know, like, cause that, that would be centered, you know, like you said, like, uh, even keeled or, or something like that. Right. So I, right. I, I guess not, I, not tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Right. Okay. Centered. Mm -hmm. And so he uses the word center a lot, but since I mostly don't talk to Orthodox people, I was thinking about, okay, like, 
how am I going to explain these thoughts that I'm having about the margin and whatever and, and the center or the margin and whatever is on the other side of that? Like, I think the majority, mm-hmm. because you have like on a page, the majority of the page has writing on it. The margin is in terms of area smaller. So you have the, the margin versus mm. the majority. Okay. Now, um, these days there's the tendency there's a tendency in our, in our culture right now to denigrate the center. Yeah. To denigrate the majority. Yeah. There's some, whereas maybe, uh, in the past, those who are on the quote outside or who are quote marginal might be considered to be outcast second class citizens although not necessarily not always and everywhere mm-hmm. but there there's at least that that possibility <clears throat> and we can see that outsiders would by definition be marginal mm-hmm. because they are not at least initially a part of the center a part of the majority a part of the uh the overall body of of a place and so there's there's been there's been an inversion right there in people's thinking. So again, so so here here I am, uh, you know, reading books, reading the Bible, paying attention to the news, listening to, you know, a few select podcasts such as Jonathan Pajot and like, you know, trying to figure out like what's going on here. And so I started turning to the Bible uh-huh. and thinking about is this idea of the margin versus the majority in the scriptures? Right. And and what I was I was taking notes as I was as I was thinking and example after example after example started coming up and it, it opened up this 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 new way of, of thinking about the scriptures and I don't mean that this is some sort of hidden secret or something I, I just mean that I became aware of a motif that's in the scriptures among you know lots of other motifs uh-huh. or recurrent themes right and man it just it was like letting a little bit more light in the room. Hmm. So I, I wanted to, to talk about a few of those and see if once I give a few examples, if you might be able to come up with some too. Okay. So again, we're, th- we're thinking about majority versus margin. Like w- whatever is most, whether it's in terms of land or people or thinking, mm-hmm. and then something that's that's on the outside. Would it be rude if I suggested one right off the bat please do okay so what i'm right away i think of uh and we discussed this a little bit last week and then i'm i'm reading through this story with the kids downstairs is again the story of esther so the the idea of the jews in exile mm-hmm. and so one of the accusations of haman to xerxes is that amongst your people there is a group who set themselves apart and behave differently you know, they don't yes. observe our laws or customs or whatever. And so I guess in the context of what you're, you're saying here, I, I, again, I, maybe I'm way off the mark, but it's, it's interesting when you think of that idea where um, it's very much the opposite of what, what we're probably used to right now, where these Jews were, were exiled to this place and they didn't, they didn't conform to the pattern, you know, uh, as far as we know, at least these key characters, and they did not conform to the pattern of the of the the land in which they were exiled, and they also didn't expect uh, everyone around them to behave like them either. They just uh, 
they plugged in and, and, and acted uh, appropriate or in accordance with the culture where appropriate and where it wasn't appropriate, they continued to be Jewish. Yeah, I mean, after all, Mordecai was, you know, kind of a servant of the king. Right. I'm, well, I mean, after all, Mordecai uh, saved the king, saved Xerxes he from, saved, he saved from an assassination life. attempt. Yeah. Yep. That's a great example. Yes. <laughs> and so, and but but that that was the the exciting thing when I started thinking about this about this this dichotomy. It's like example after example after example. So I'm going to go back to Genesis. You know, I'm going to go back to Genesis. I did. <laughs> so this is also a two-edged sword, and and uh, I, I guess I may as well tell you like the scripture that we're going to turn to is going to end up being being uh, like Isaiah 40 through like Isaiah 48, some stuff that's in there. And up until that point, up until we kind of get to Isaiah, I'm just going to make references. Okay. And, uh, and and you can do that too. You know, just throw out ideas that you have. So if we're going to Genesis, can I guess that we're going to Joseph? Oh, no, we're going earlier. Okay. Going back to the garden? We're going back to the garden. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. okay I, so I, I don't know where this is going then. Let's see. Well, let, let, let's think about it. Okay. So the Garden of Eden. Yep. In what sense might we understand the Garden of Eden as being marginal? Um, it's not a majority of the world? Yeah. Ah, okay. Exactly. Okay. And so you have, the yeah, you've got the whole world and then you've got Eden on the margin. And yet at the same time, so this, this, is, this dichotomy is also kind of a two-edged sword. Right. You also have the sense that Eden is the center. Yeah. Because like this this is this is it right. right here. Like this is like the place within the place, like the holy of holies. Like a paradise of sorts. You might say. Yeah. <laughs> so like there are other places, but this is the place you want to be. Well, okay, so it's almost like there's that el it's almost like an element of exclusivity, can we say? Yes. Yeah. And I would say that exclusivity well, the the, the include inclusiveness exclusiveness dichotomy that that's another two-edged sword and it has to be thought about very carefully yeah or it can be in vastly misunderstood to the detriment of everything you know I, I feel like i don't know if we we talked about this before i want to say we have i know we've talked about the idea of like exclusive language uh in the context of um uh gnosticism and things like that but I feel like there's an element of that, and and I assume what, as far as your ref, maybe if you're referencing current cultural norms, there's also an element of exclusivity to uh, th those that are marginalized now, right? Like like to be oppressed is to be exclusive. It would almost seem like. Yeah. 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 Of of, of course. Mm -hmm. and so that that's another dichotomy that that's really important to consider as we're trying to make sense of stuff that's happening or as we're trying to make sense of stuff in the scriptures yeah and kind of weaving back and forth b between the two as we do mm -hmm. so uh, the gardens of eden is is a <clears throat> is a marginal place because it's not a majority place and yet we see that it's it's very significant because that's the place where god meets with humanity yeah and even Adam and Eve themselves are, are a minority and, and they are marginal in terms of creation because they are the only ones who bear the image of God. Uh -huh. You've got all the rest of creation. Yeah. And, and not simply earth and not simply the animals, mm -hmm. but all of the heavenly host, all of the angels, 
all of the stars, oh, all man. of the planets, yeah. all of the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And then you have this margin within a margin that that bears God's image. And and that that's where he that's where he walks in in the cool of the day having friendship with like within this this margin within the cosmos. You know what's interesting about that too and again I've never really thought about this and I nef I've definitely said it before but this idea like you just said they're being made in God's image. In fact, Jessica got a coffee mug today as a gift that said that you know I'm I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. So this idea like we throw this out all the time that we're made in God's image and I'm not saying that we it totally escapes us why that's important but when you put it that way like creation story, seven days, six of which he created everything, and the only thing that's created in his image is is mankind. Yes, and that's that's significant for a number of reasons. But like for one, for uh, I guess the one that comes to mind though is, and I am not man. This is where like Joel Salatin, like I I, I can I can pick up what he's putting down. You know, for for those of you keeping score at home, Joel Sal Joel Salatin is a self self uh proclaimed mad farmer i guess you could say something like that yeah yeah mad farmer in the Wendellberry sense he he's a christian conservative organic farmer in the shenandoah valley of virginia he's also a writer journalist speaker and he tries to bring the pigness out of the pig so to speak right like, like he tries to to discover the ways that god meant for his various aspects of creation to work together to make everything better, like to make the pigs better, to make the people who eat the pigs better, to make the grass that the pigs eat yes. better. Well, okay. So, Permaculture. So stewardship, though. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good word for Joel Salatin. So his stewardship. emphasis is on stewardship as opposed to dominion. And he said that one time. He's like, you know, the thing is in the church, we get so focused on dominion that we forget the stewardship aspect. And so my point is this is uh, I don't not care about the planet and about nature, but I don't. Uh, I don't think I don't th those things are uh, are second to mankind I guess is what I'm saying and so I mean man I again just thinking out loud right yeah I mean I don't know if this is correct but I understand what I'm saying like to me when you get people that are that that have that, that worship the planet effectively the way some of our uh, environmentalists do or you'll get people that well I love animals more than humans like I feel like that's sinful because those are not things that are made in God's image. It's, it's disoriented. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the way that Jesus would put it is the same way that he, he dealt with the Pharisees who were disoriented regarding the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right. Jesus didn't come to destroy the Sabbath. He came to uh, reveal its proper understanding. Yeah. So, of course, you can... I mean, it, what's lawful to... To heal on the Sabbath or not heal on the Sabbath? Yeah. I think that you could say that since God made the Sabbath for man, you can take that reasoning and apply it to other things that God has made. So nature is made for man, not man for nature. Yeah. And so I think that that's, that proper orientation can clear up a, a whole lot of things. Yeah. Because, you know, there's no room, for example, for like animal cruelty or like polluting of rivers Absolutely. If we yeah. understand that we are stewards of these things that are made for us. Mm -hmm. So back to marginality and majority-ality. <laughs> majority. Majority. Mm, I like it. I think so. Language is fluid, Justin. 
<laughs> you know, if if you knew how long that argument has been made, I think it would curl the ends of your mustache that you don't have. Well, it surprises me what no longer surprises me. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> okay, so skipping ahead a little bit, you have you have Eden and you have Adam and Eve okay. as as being on the margin, and and that's where God was active. So let's let's skip forward a little bit in Genesis to say Abraham. Okay, first Abram. Abram. He was initially. Uh, a part of the majority. Mm-hmm. He was just uh, apparently living his life with, you know, his father, his family up there in Ur of the Chaldees, mm-hmm. up in Mesopotamia. Yep. Hanging out by the, you know, Tigris and Euphrates. Mm-hmm. Ur. Yep. That was not a crutch word. That was simply pronouncing historical the, reference. Yes. That's yeah. a historical reference. Yes. And God calls him out. And so, by virtue of God speaking to Abraham, he automatically becomes marginal. Hmm. Yeah. Because he's he's then not like everybody else. Right. <clears throat> and furthermore, God says, <clears throat> Abraham, go to the place that I will show you. And so he leaves Ur. Hmm. And so that that's another aspect of Abraham's margin marginality. Right. He's he's not in the place that he's from. He's not around the people that he's from. And, and God is talking to him. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, skipping forward uh, a little bit more, but still with, with Abram, the burning bush. Okay. You know, he's out in the wilderness. Uh, sorry, the burning bush is Moses. Yeah, like, not, 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 not Abram. <laughs> um, sorry, I... I got to stick with with Abraham. When, when you have uh, the the men coming to tell him about Sodom and Gomorrah, right, and and also about you know your your wife will bear a son, and all of that, that's those things happen in the wilderness. It's Lot who goes into the city, right? Lot who goes into Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. But so so the, those those men, angels, maybe Christ is with him, like the the pre incarnate. Christ. A lot of people think that. I, it sounds good to me. When when they go then to Lot, they make. I mean, Lot is already marginal because he's, you know, he's referred to as righteous Lot, mm-hmm. even though he's he's in the city. He's not of the city. We we were sort of talking about that. Oh, that's interesting. That recently. Yeah. But they bring him out. Mm-hmm. You know, they are the voice of God. I mean, angels are messengers. They they are bringing word from God. Yeah. And so whether it's like you know, the audible direct voice of God or it's an angel speaking. I mean, it's it's from God, you know, it's right. the same. It it functions in the same way. And and the effect of that is it draws him and his family out. Mm-hmm. Lot's wife is turned into a pillar of salt when she when she longs for to be back in the majority. Yeah. Huh. So at Eden, Adam and Eve Abram slash Abraham, Lot. Okay, skipping skipping four. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You know, the, the, there are definitely things that you could say there. Things that happen in the wilderness, like uh, Jacob's dream. Yeah, he, he he's out he's out in the wilderness. Yeah, out well, off on his own. Right. W- w- when that when that happens, um, then you know, going to to Joseph, 
like you talked about, he went out into the wilderness. He was sent further out into the wilderness, being sold into slavery. But it was it was there when he was taken into, into this 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 place where he was a slave in, into Egypt. You know, God. I mean, previously God spoke to him in in dreams, and and the fact that God was speaking to him made him marginal, even within his own family. Right. And the majority, in that sense, his family, they hated him for it. Yeah. His brothers, I mean, couldn't stand him. Yeah. So God brought him out and even though even though you might say that he he joined the majority in a sense even like he's he's not like everyone else because he he becomes a ruler he goes from slave which is marginal to ruler which is also marginal just in a different sense yeah um so then the, the 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 israelites they they become marginal ver- by virtue of their enslavement. You know they are even though they are numerous, they are on the the edges of of Egyptian society. But God draws them out further. Well, I mean, you could even say, like 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 quite literally. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't know the geography of ancient Egypt specifically. However, they have a river. <laughs> right, right. But what I guess my point is Goshen. Like this was a separate area of Egypt that mm-hmm. was specifically for the Jews, and and then there was this because uh, you remember when when Joseph's family came and he was introducing them to Pharaoh, he told them to tell Pharaoh that they were shepherds, because then like they would there's this this cultural thing like okay well we got to be separate from you because right and and that was a so therefore they kept their identity separate right. and marginal separated from from the from the Egyptian majority right. culture. To I mean to some to some extent maybe not perfectly yeah so we got the whole whole Moses thing Moses is marginal because he you know he's first he he's put out into the water mm-hmm. that's marginal oh yeah and dangerous mm-hmm. and yet God is with him right he's drawn out he's then a part of the royal family but then he, he grows up kills the Egyptian gets out of town he's out on the wilderness marginal. And it's when he's actually further out in the wilderness than what, whatever settlement that, that he was in with his, his father-in-law and, and wife and, you know, that whole clan. Midian. Yeah, Midian. Yep. That, yeah, thank you. He, he's, he's out tending the sheep up on the mountain, and we've got the burning bush. Yeah. God speaks to him out in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, he goes back. The plagues happen. God brings his people out into the wilderness. But but he's there, you know, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, hmm. all the miracles, the manna, all of that happens out in the wilderness. Do you think we should be spending more time in the wilderness? Maybe so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, not even a joke, you know. No, a no, lot it's, of it's not a joke. Things. And actually, that that's a part of the the feast cycle in Israel, the right. fe- the feast of tabernacles. Mm-hmm. That's when they would commemorate the wilderness period. They yeah. go camping. They'd pitch tents. You know, so that's also a custom in Islam. I think it's like the November time frame because it's not hot. It's the same thing where they essentially kind of return to their roots and go. They spend time like camping out in the desert as well, probably for for a similar reason. And, mm-hmm. and I, I would say like, I mean, that's that, there's got to be something to that too. Why like why 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 <laughs> to some people, most people, I, I don't know. Uh, like there's an appeal to, to, to even to us Western folks to go camping, you know. Mm-hmm. So skipping forward uh, <clears throat> quite a bit, well, n- n- not a ton. You have Joshua and Caleb; they're marginal. 
Mm-hmm. The ten spies say, oh, oh, no, we're scared. It's bad. No, we shouldn't do that. Yeah. And Joshua and Caleb say, well, no. So by virtue of their faith in God, they're marginal. Yeah. Because their voice conflicts with the majority voice. Yeah. And and we know how that all worked out. You know, yep. for 40 years wandering around that whole business. They actually get in there and, you know, the, the whole conquest thing happens. But then uh, let, let's get further. Uh, let's get to, say, David. Yeah. We, we get the sense that the times that he was really close to God was when he was out in the wilderness. Right. I was going to say, he was one of, as you were talking, I was thinking about, like, also spent some time in the wilderness. I mean, there's that, even that recent episode, The Chosen, starts with him where, where yeah. they're hiding out and he comes in to get bread, you know. Yes. The, yeah. Yeah. And the whole Bathsheba problem started because he wasn't being marginal. Hmm. He was staying in the city. Yeah. Staying in the palace. Interesting. Staying where it was comfortable. Yep. Instead of going out to the margins where he was supposed to be. Yeah. Now, of course, there would be other people there. It's not to say that that this wilderness thing, this marginality is always and everywhere. This like a solo thing, like we see with Moses up on the mountain. Yeah. But it, it's still that, that, that same direction. It's this movement from normalcy into, you know, this this other place okay and that that's kind of it seems like that's where where the action happens um uh, elisha and elijah i mean how often are they out in the wilderness like constantly Mm -hmm. elijah at one point got very the kind of i don't want to say like clinically depressed but he was very concerned because he thought that he was the only one left he thought that he was a margin of one and maybe this is a good time to introduce a term that the scriptures use for that. It's the remnant. Hmm. That, that, that's that's a, an enormously important concept in the scriptures is, is that of the remnant because um, I, th- I think it's an angel who comes to Elijah <clears throat> and the message is that God has preserved, you know, a certain number of prophets, you know, a few hundred yeah. who haven't bowed, bowed the knee to the Baals. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, Elijah, you are a minority, you are marginal, you are a remnant, but you are not alone. Hmm. There, there, there are more there that you hitherto have not known about. Okay, you got me thinking about stuff over here. Okay. <laughs> I, and I don't, I mean, I, I hesitate to say it because maybe this is where you're going. Do I, do I dare talk about John the Baptist and Jesus? Is that where you're going? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to where the source of John John the Baptist is. Okay. So maybe first we could go to Isaiah 40. Let's do it. And and there, ah, there, there's okay, it is. <laughs> I was looking at my reference yeah, and, verses here. And by the way, like I'm skipping over a whole lot of things. I'm just trying to give enough examples to show that this is a significant concept in the scriptures. I mean. Yeah. Tracking so far? I, I get it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a modern-day Stephen right now, just revisiting the whole... <laughs> <laughs> he, well, he was under the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and I don't claim to be anything except a Deuterocanon. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> Isaiah 40 does connect with the John the Baptist thing that you're talking about. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, um... I think that that I'll read this this first bit. Okay. And 
I think I'll read. Man, it's it's so good. I'll I'll read a few verses and then I'll stop before I get to the end of the chapter. How about that? Okay. So this is Isaiah 40 verses 1 and following. Comfort, yes. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said, Cry out. And he said, What shall I cry? And, and this is what he is to cry. All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. Um, man, I, I really could read <clears throat> all of the rest of this, but I, I think that we're, we're getting the picture. Yeah. There's something about the wilderness. There is. <laughs> There's something about what happens in the wilderness between the one in the wilderness and, and the Lord. Mm -hmm. There's, it's, it's this, this marginal voice that emerges in the wilderness First of all, from the Lord, and 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 then you know it's it it spread, and there's this invitation to come out, mm -hmm. like to come. I mean, then th and that that's why it says. I mean, so like it so it starts with this solitary voice in the wilderness, you know. And okay, so I'm gonna cry out. What should I cry out? And so he's he's told like here's what you're supposed to say. Like man is mortal. Like pe you're gonna die. People are gonna die. And everybody needs to know this. Like, cry out that people are going to die. Mm -hmm. But then, it's like verse 9. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. It's like, well, you know, if, if anyone is interested in good tidings, a.k.a. good news, a.k.a. gospel here, it's like this, this is, you are a part of this margin and and so this voice that 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 comes to the one on the margin in the wilderness like so who who is the audience ultimately mm -hmm. for this and that's what we're told in uh uh let's see um oh yeah verse 2 speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her so here we have Jerusalem which you could in a sense view as a margin except that that he, um, here, 
this this voice in the wilderness has come out of Jerusalem and out into the wilderness and so that that's that's what we have like this voice on the margin is supposed to speak to Jerusalem which here is functioning as the majority hmm. and th- th- there's there's a there's a reason for that the the reason is that they need to get ready for this shepherd that's coming like that that they need to make straight paths for him like in other words to mentally prepare themselves i mean prepare themselves in in thought and word and in deed for the fact that somebody is going to be coming from the margin into them and i mean if he's a shepherd then he must expect for people to follow him yeah it's like well so are you going to do this or not Oh, what you looking for? I, you know, I'm just thinking about where's the considerate, pure joy, <clears throat> my brothers, when we endure trials. <laughs> we just used it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Um, considerate, pure joy. I mean, th- is that like First or Second Timothy, or is that First or Second Peter? I can't remember. Considerate, pure joy. Okay, I've got a pretty good concordance back here, so I will. But I guess my my point is this: is again just this this idea of. Um, my goodness so this idea of of the wilderness you know and 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 what can come from that because you know the other thing is so so good grief (laughs) get it together byron here we go so like again we we go back to john the baptist and this idea that he's quoting this verse and he's speaking of jesus and then we know that jesus himself spent time in the wilderness oh yeah right Yeah, yeah uh where he was tempted and so uh i guess just this idea of the of the wilderness saying um, you know, people are going to die. Like that's, I mean, that's the very, that's very much the nature of the wilderness. Um, and so, and yet, and, and yet people, all the folks that we're talking about have spent, spent time in the, in the wilderness, this place that can be very dangerous, can be a trial of sorts, have still, have somehow benefited from it. And so, I know it's almost as, as though that encapsulates this idea of considering it joy when we endure trials because that the trials build perseverance and hope and all these things that, that we read about in that passage. And so, I mean, it's almost like a very physical, um, I mean, trials, can, trials are not necessarily, uh, it's not always necessarily a trial with like the physical elements, you know, these can be like mm-hmm. cognitive trials or, or whatever you want, you know, emotional trials. Uh, but then you can also have a literal, you know, literal physical trials with, with the environment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. That's, that's what I was thinking about. I don't know if that means anything <laughs> to if how that pertains to the conversation. Other than again, when we look at the examples we've looked at, we see folks spending time in the wilderness on the margin mm-hmm. and enduring the trials that exist there, uh, whether natural or man-made and ultimately benefiting from those. And so I think it's once again one of those things where we have this New, Pest- this New Testament verse that we uh, tend to quote. And I, I mean, I, I think even, even when used innoc- innocently or passively, it, it is true, but we appreciate it more when we understand maybe the historical context of it when we think of, again, this idea of this theme of, of the wilderness and, and, and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, um, like even though the, the actual... Uh, literal wilderness I think is significant well, when I say wilderness in this sense 
And like, like I, I know that, that Moses was actually in the wilderness. Abraham was actually there. John the Baptist was actually physically there. Right. I, I really mean it as a symbol of the margin itself. Yes. So the prophet Daniel, even though he was in the city of Babylon, was, was still, in a sense, in, in the wilderness because of the fact that he was on the margin. You know, he was still praying three times a day, even though that could potentially cost him his life. He, w- he was willing to, to make that separation for the sake of righteousness. Well, I, again, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you, and that's, that's kind of what I'm saying where... But because it, it endangered him. So you were talking about the danger of the wilderness. Right. And so that danger can be actual, the, the, the actual physical danger of the physical elements, or it could simply be the danger that one faces when being the voice in the in the in the wilderness in the city right like 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 daniel like stephen like paul like peter like jesus well it's almost as though we could equate the wilderness or the margin to maybe an an, an isolation of sorts i guess follow me on this right because again look at david part of like like you made this point for a couple people right like um uh joseph right he w- he was marginalized as a slave, but he was also marginalized when he was at the top tier of society. I guess you could say the same for Moses. We could say the I mean, same. He, he was outside of the majority, clearly. Correct. And so, I mean, there is a. So when we look at the, and again in the context of trials, in the context of being on the margin, being uh, secluded, like being in a place of leadership, can be all those things. It can be a trial, you know. Um, in fact, you know what it makes me remind me of is. Oh, I mean, maybe maybe it's this the idea of power or. Man, like I, I, I could do a whole nother episode. I have a lot of thoughts on this idea of the word power that people want to use. Because yeah, that'd be a good one. Because when I think about being in leadership, like again, I am a leader, you know, in my job, and I don't think I have power. In fact, what I feel is a lot of responsibility, like a lot of pressure, uh, to get it right, you know. And so, but I think that's the danger of being in those positions of, we'll say, positions of authority, because, um. Man, to a certain extent, you are set apart. Uh, you are set apart. It can be very, you know, they say it's lonely at the top, right? And, uh, like, there is sometimes maybe the trial, there's trial in it as far as how your maybe subordinates are going to react to you and all that. And, and, and again, there's danger in it because if you have that that responsibility, that, that power, if you will, like when you look at a David, uh, we, we see what happens when he misused that power but we see the good that happened when he used it correctly. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I think in and of itself, that in and of itself is a trial and it is an example of this, uh, being marginalized and, and the good and bad that can come of that maybe. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, so do you, do you have anything else to add about John the Baptist? Um, we'll fix this in post-production. <laughs> Anything else to add about John the Baptist? Yeah. As far as being marginalized. Yeah. I'm just going to say things and let's see if I can guess what you're thinking. Or, or is there something something you have in mind that I we haven't touched on? No, no, no not not necessarily. Okay. He's really just another example of, of everything that I, that I've already well, yeah. been been throwing out. I mean, he's Jesus's cousin, that's pretty exclusive. <laughs> okay. Uh he stood up to Herod. <clears throat> I mean, that that put him in a pretty isolated trial. Yeah, I mean, he he was the 
the the voice in the wilderness. Yes. So camel hair, locusts and and wild honey, all that. Yep. So but the significance of all of those physical things that were, were it's it's the it's the symbolism that that's that's so significant if he's this kind of uh preeminent um example of the voice crying in the wilderness then then he's going to have it like in spades right so he he he's not simply like going out in the wilderness to to visit and hang out and 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 pray mm-hmm. which you know he did he's just by virtue of of, of being the, the top example of that he, he's got a he, he's got to be wilderness like top to bottom right <clears throat> okay so i want to pivot Ooh. Uh, a pivoting. little bit pivoting pivoting yeah a, a riveting pivoting as you would say pivot away pivot away okay mm-hmm. i will the pivot here is the voices in the wilderness in the scriptures the the prophets like the, the, it's it's the prophets who are who are who are marginal it's the they're they're the ones who are who are receiving words from the lord that then they're supposed to share with the majority so there is this 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 interaction between the the margin mm-hmm. and the majority oftentimes the majority doesn't appreciate it very much yeah but the one thing that it has in common from beginning to end is that the 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 word of the lord to those who are marginal by virtue of receiving the word of the lord is that you all need to repent yeah and that was john's message hmm. repent for the kingdom of heaven is near or the kingdom of heaven is at hand yeah so in other words there's something that's wrong with you all in the majority you all in the cities, let's say, like you all have not properly oriented or righteously oriented your lives to the creator of the universe. And so you, you need to repent. Hmm. You need to care about what he says and, and what he what he thinks and, and care about his character and and live in in accordance with that. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's the consistent voice of the lord to the prophets all i mean the, the, there are so many like more specific things than that right there, there are things that are foretold that are present i mean th- that were current then and things that were foretold that you know were fulfilled hundreds of years later and there were things foretold that haven't even been fulfilled yet right but still like like the the, the unifying thing among all of that is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand yeah what about the margin being put forward today? <laughs> What's the unifying declaration? So what is the margin saying to the majority? Right. When we think about, quote, marginal voices that have to be amplified, what what are they saying? I mean, I don't know if this is where you're going with it, but I almost feel like they're saying repent. Mm-hmm. They are, but in the scriptures, it's repent and follow God. Yep. Repent and follow, like repent and and listen to what God says. Right. What about now? Repent and what? Repent and listen to your heart. Repent and listen to popular opinion. 
repent and uh, or we will dox you. Repent or you'll be canceled. Repent and follow the marginal voice itself. Right. And so the prophets in the scriptures were amplifying God's voice. Hmm. They were speaking God's words for God's purposes. Yeah. Now the marginal figures whose voices have to be amplified by virtue of their marginality are glorifying themselves. Right. They are false prophets. Yeah. And I guess that that's that's what I'm what I'm recognizing as I see this this interaction between the scriptures and what's going on in the pattern of the world today. So pattern of the scriptures, pattern of the world is that there are prophets and then there are prophets. There's the margin and then there's the margin. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, okay, what shall I cry out? Like the, the true prophet mm-hmm. says, well, okay, so, so what, what shall I cry out? Because the, the true prophet recognizes that, that truth is not the determination of the individual prophet, yeah. but is a submission to the voice of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Whereas the false prophets, oh, they know, they know exactly what they're going to say. Yeah. They know exactly where they're, they're going with this. Yeah. And it's, it's a declaration of the, of the centrality of the marginal selves. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that that that's, that's the, the definition of, of what a false prophet is. And there, there's, there's some added tension too, uh, because we do have lots of examples of false prophets in the scriptures. One, one example that comes to mind immediately is uh, a story that comes up, I think both in one of the Chronicles and in one of the Kings. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was first or second, first or second, but anyway, it's in Chronicles and it's in Kings. And it, bo- it has to do with Ahab. Okay. So we remember Ahab, wicked king uh, in Israel. But during during part of the reign of Ahab in Israel, there was a righteous king in Judah, Jehoshaphat, mm-hmm. which I think means the Lord is a righteous judge. Hmm. So that that name might be significant. I, I would think so. And so he did things like he destroyed the high places, like the the places of, of idol worship, mm-hmm. and he he really did try to try to lead the people in in the way of the Lord. Mm-hmm. But one day Ahab calls him up. I guess that's what he did, or sent messengers, said, hey, hey, Jehoshaphat, I need to talk to you. So Jehoshaphat goes, and Ahab says, hey, um, I, I need your help. I want to go, go take Ramoth Gilead. Like, that used to be mine. That used to belong to Israel, and I really want it back. I, I want Ramoth Gilead. And Jehoshaphat thinks about it, and he says, well, you know, my people, my people are, are, are your people. In other words, like we have this this common ancestry, mm-hmm. common descent, common heritage, common language for, for the most part. The dialects, I guess, became a little bit different over time. Um, but he, he identified mm-hmm. with Ahab culturally. Right. And so they decided to do this, but kind of as an afterthought, Jehoshaphat, I mean, after all, he, he is a, a righteous king. He says, um, could we... Uh, could we see what the Lord says about this? And so Ahab goes, okay, all right, all right, whatever. So he brings in all of these prophets who prophesy total victory in the campaign against Ramoth Gilead. I think it's like 400 of them or something. Ahab did that. Yeah, he just brings in his, his mainstream, ma- I mean, 
uh, his prophets. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that, that, that's what they say. They even like kind of act out like this kind of bull scene, like, you know, oh, look at my horns. I'm, I'm like Ahab. I'm going to. And he like, you know, runs into right. something and, yeah. you know, to sort of, yeah, pantomime the prophecy. And Jehoshaphat scratches his head. He's like, okay, all right. Yeah, that, that's good. Um, do you have anyone else? Yeah. Can we get a second opinion? And Ahab goes, well, okay, there's this one guy, but he never prophesies anything good about me. <laughs> and and that guy's name was, I think, Micaiah. And Micaiah comes in, and his first answer must have been sarcastic or something. because He says, uh, the, Lord, the Lord declares that you shall be victorious. But he, he must not have been totally serious or something in his tone because immediately they ask, okay, what does God really say? Yeah. And he says, don't do it. Jehoshaphat, don't do it. Ahab, you're going to die. Huh. And for some reason, they ignore the prophet of the Lord and they go to battle. And that, that's when Ahab is killed. Yeah. Like he dressed up as a, uh, as a soldier instead of as a king, I guess, to try to be safer or something. And an arrow, like landed between like uh plates of armor or something. Yeah, yeah 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 and 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 the armies are routed jehoshaphat barely escapes with his life he gets back to jerusalem and god sends another prophet to him uh -huh. i think this is jehu the seer but i might have that switched i know it's micaiah and jehu but i don't remember like which one came first okay um but anyway micaiah and jehu so this prophet comes and says like jehoshaphat why did you do that why do you why do you help those who do evil and love those who hate the Lord? Because of this, you will be punished. Huh. So we see that cultural heritage, cult identity yeah. in that sense. Right. Even though that the, there there's all all of these things in the scriptures that can could could construe themselves as being kind of ethnos ethnocentric. Mm-hmm kind of in favor of the Hebrews, you know, like, right. you know, that this, this Hebrew thing that they had going on, even, even in the, the division of the two kingdoms, what was still kind of, that was the central thing. It was their Hebrewness. Yeah. But Paul didn't think that. Right. Because he said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that not all Israel is Israel. Yeah. And so that, that, that's like the, the message to Jehoshaphat. It's like cultural identity is not it. Right. Here's what it is. Yeah. Why do you help those who do evil and love those who hate the Lord? Yeah. So the thing that we have to keep in mind as we're trying to um like like we have to recognize that marginal voices are not I mean, are not all equal. Right. There, there there there's no equality in marginal voices. And we can't trust any type of <clears throat> quote identity when it comes to determining the rightness or wrongness of that marginal voice. Right. Which actually, th th they say this themselves, because you'll notice that not all people of a particular ethnic minority, for example, are, are, are treated equally mm -hmm. by those who are making those claims. I mean, think about like Candace Owens. Right. You know, you would think that, okay, she's a minority. Right. She's intersectional. Mm hmm So shouldn't we believe her? Right. The answer is no. So if there's a single minority of any type, a single marginal voice that's not treated at with the same level of significance 
by those who are kind of constructing this paradigm, right? then it's obvious that they recognize that it's not the messenger, it's the message. So and that, that's what the scriptures teach us. So I have a lot of thoughts. Okay. <laughs> Let's see if I can tie them all together in a logical way. Because it's interesting, because again, it's like, you know, you talk about these prophets speak from, speaking from the wilderness, and they're saying, you want me to say something? What, well, what do I say? Because I want to speak the truth, okay? Mm-hmm. Truth coming from, you know, this third entity, in, in this case, God, right? And so where like so it would seem that a true prophet or or um or a a marginalized person of value is going to seek truth to and follow truth to its logical conclusion mm-hmm. where a false prophet is going to decide what the conclusion is and craft truth that gets them there kind mm-hmm. of like Ahab right right and his prophets who were just saying what the majority wanted to hear right and so so that that's the kind of interesting thing that that in a way like like we have to watch out for for marginal voices what they're what their itching ears want to hear exactly (laughs) exactly they will they will amass for themselves teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear right well and and i guess what i'm thinking of that's that's interesting about all this because um we see it's, it's it's as if it's it's popular and and it's become popular to be marginalized and then, I mean, I heard somebody, well, I was listening to Jordan Peterson. He's talking about this today. It's like the interesting thing about the YouTubes and, and the TikToks and all that is that everybody, should they choose, can can basically be a TV producer, you know, mm-hmm. much like we're doing here, which is where, again, like I have mixed emotions about doing this sometimes because it's like, are we yet another person that's thinking more of themselves, more highly of themselves than they ought to? And so I think we we need to have a balanced approach to that. But my point is this is, like you said, not all marginal voices need to be treated equally. Just because somebody has something to say and they are saying it doesn't mean that it's worth listening to. Mm -hmm. And once again, uh, I'm mature enough to realize at this point in my life that I'm not the first person to think of these things. So again, if we look at the things we've talked about before, like, um, uh, like false gospels and things like that. Like, cause there's, there are people that that's literally their argument. They will say, well, what about the gospel of Thomas? Well, what about it? <laughs> you know? And so it, it, it's kind of like that where, well, this person is this and they are having this struggle. So what about them? Well, what about them? You know, mm-hmm. just because they are a person in a certain demographic with a certain struggle or a certain trial, or a certain message uh, doesn't automatically give them authority, you know? Right. And so, um, like, like we need to be careful to whom we, we lend credence, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the scriptures... Ourselves included. <laughs> <laughs> the scriptures over and over and over again say in various ways... Uh, I mean, it's kind of like it starts off in Hebrews. You know, God has spoken to our fathers at many times and in various ways, but now he has spoken to us by his son. Mm-hmm. It's like, so do do we recognize our need for a transcendent source of understanding? Or do we really think that, that we are sufficient? Right. Uh, personally, collectively, um, 
I don't think we are. Right. I mean, and I, I guess that's fine. Like, I guess I, I could think that, but I really can't think that and simultaneously take the scriptures very seriously. And if I did think that I and we were sufficient, you know, you talk about taking things to their logical conclusions. How does that end anywhere except narcissism? Yeah. Which again, like, you know, I, we can, we can go that way, but I don't know, choose to stay whom, whom you will serve. And like, that's like, that's the central thing. Like we shouldn't be centering anything except truth. Right. And like, you know, the, the desire for truth. Mm -hmm. And if we get caught up with any of, any of the other thingies, it doesn't seem like it's going to, to end good mm -hmm. and well, yeah, good or whatever. You know, I don't know. Whenever you, when I ever hear the word narcissism, I think about again the story of where that comes from. Narcissus, the guy looking into the the the, the pool of water and getting fixated on his own image, and like, and then I think of all of the. I mean, since the onset of social media and the popularity of social media, just like you know, there are are people I can think of who you go to their page and it is just selfie after selfie after selfie, you know. Mm -hmm. duck face or kissy face or whatever you Yikes. want to call it after kissy face you know smoky you know smoky eyeshadow like alluring look into the camera and uh it's just such a dangerous thing that we've created a world where we can become so easily fixated on self and again in this book we are specifically told to deny ourselves mm -hmm. you know um, but I think, but, but, but I mean, again, that's at the heart of the issue because man, like that's what our itching ears want to hear. That's what our itching eyes want to see. We want to, we want to hear and see things that are, you know, of this world that are, that are pleasing to our eyes and to our ears and that, that are, are the things that we want to hear, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to hear that all flesh is grass. No. We don't want to hear that the, you know, the flower fades and, and withers and the grass, you know, all of that. In other words, you're going to die. Yeah. We, we don't want to hear that. And, I, and that, that really is, you, you want to talk about central things. Like there's nothing more central than understanding our, our own mortality. Yeah. And th this, is, this is a whole other conversation and we don't have to get into it tonight. But like I, I recently read the Epic of Gilgamesh several times. Uh-huh. And man, that that was revealing. In, in terms of so, it's it's the oldest written story that we know of. Mm -hmm. And even though it's this ancient, ancient, ancient story, over and over and over again, there are statements, ideas that correlate perfectly with where, like, kind of the the, the default human consciousness still is, mm -hmm. like boredom trying to make a name for oneself mm -hmm. and then ultimately like what do i do about this whole death thing yeah it's 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 all it's all there well it's interesting too i guess the balance that th this idea of us being grass <clears throat> brings to it because I, I mean i guess that's the thing right we are fearfully and wonderfully made we are made in the image of god um he can count the numbers of hairs on our head uh you know 
look at the birds they 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 don't spin they don't spin or toil right like like mm-hmm. god is there to take care of us we are special in that sense but it's interesting because I, I think maybe we, we neglect to think of that we are also just a drop in the bucket you know yeah. we are we are also just grass yeah and so uh man like maybe that's I I think I've I've emphasized this before the balance that I see in the Bible because again I in fact I mentioned this last week right like children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother but parents do not provoke your children to wrath right well fathers specifically mm-hmm. right so it's gonna be a lot easier for them to honor them honor you and love you and obey you if you aren't one who provokes them to wrath right and so maybe this is another example of of the balance I've I've talked about in the past where. Yes, you are a special snowflake, you know, like you are unique, but you're also grass. Yeah, so let's say that somebody like, say, Moses, no, let's say David, let's go with David. Um, You know, David was communing with the Lord out in the wilderness, and he was, a lot of times he was on the run because of his righteousness, you know, Saul was after him, Yep. even though, like, because of his, his relationship with the Lord, God had chosen him to be the next king but what happened when that righteous voice on the margin Mm -hmm. became focused on his uh, on himself yeah the whole Bathsheba bit Uh, I'm trying to think of what what's the husband's name Uriah (laughs) Uriah Uriah the Hittite Uriah died uh, just was pointed out to me that Uriah the Hittite was one of David's mighty men yeah so he wasn't just some rando soldier mm-hmm. he was he was one of the warriors yeah in in david's army hmm. interesting yeah i mean that's yeah so it, the loss of him might have been is more significant than we probably appreciate you know yeah yeah and think about the way that that deals with the 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 concept of entitlement yeah because it's like okay so you feel entitled where does that lead well it it leads you to neglecting responsibilities being distracted by sensual pleasures and i don't know death carelessly disposing of one of your mighty warriors yes Hmm. yeah and and lots lots of other bad stuff too right yep not i mean on down the line i mean you could really trace the division of the kingdom Mm -hmm. of israel which happened Years later, years after David died, you can trace it back to that, to that decision that David made to not go to battle with his army. Hmm. Yeah. Entitlement. Yeah. Well, that's that's where my thinking is on, on this topic, and I, so far, and I think that this is something that we could probably revisit. Okay. At at some point. Um, I feel like we say that a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we come do. in here and talk about something different. We do, and I, I this is one of those things though that I, I know that I'm going to keep thinking about, and I, I hope that you keep thinking about it too. You know, we 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 didn't touch the New Testament very much, yeah, tonight. So maybe this will be a part one, and a part two might might come at another time, or I don't know. Maybe Jonathan Pajot will respond to my email. <laughs> that would be great. I, I really hope he does. He's yeah. he's. He's a. He seems like a really great guy. Yeah. Also, his house was flooded. I feel like we've got that. You in got common. that in common. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we're <laughs> basically best friends already. <laughs> you can you can compare trials. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Hmm. 
man, I guess, let's see. Again, just consider it pure joy when you face trials. Mm -hmm. um, and and I guess the thing, other thing I can tie this into, because again, like I said, um, or maybe one of my takeaways is this idea of being marginalized, being in the wilderness is not necessarily just being oppressed. Because again, you can you can have, and this is something else I want to talk about. So maybe maybe this is a uh, a, a teaser. Teaser. <laughs> it's a teaser. Okay, tease away. Um, you know, because like even even folks like David who are in these places of of power and places of leadership, uh, in a sense, they are still marginalized. And I mean, in fact, in, in a lot of ways, and we see this even nowadays, that like they're out of touch. You know, and so uh, I think it was, it was Vody Bauckham that said this. He's an, a pretty well known uh, evangelist evangelical i guess we could say uh nowadays but he he was talking about how one of the things he was doing in his church is they were very specifically praying for the leadership starting at like the township level up to the president hmm. because um you know like the government he says the government was not the enemy the government is the mission field hmm. or at least the part of it and so you know we, justin martyr would agree with that who justin martyr yeah yeah, uh, an, an early, I mean, a uh, kind of mid-second century mm -hmm. martyr. Right. Uh, disciple of somebody who was discipled by the Apostle John. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote a, a letter, a lengthy letter to the Roman emperor at the time, trying to convince him that he really should stop persecuting Christians. Yeah, you talk, okay, you talked about that before. Yeah, it's, well, it's fascinating. Well, and so, man, like, we absolutely, the most, you know, purest form of worship is caring for orphans and widows, so we need to care for orphans and widows. We need to care for kings and presidents like we just need to uh like like we need to spread the word like people need to know jesus at all levels um yeah i mean just so maybe if for nothing no, so so that we can so that we can have um you know peace so that we can have the peace that surpasses all understanding oh and speaking of peace in uh isaiah 48 i think it's the very last verse um of isaiah 48 yeah <clears throat> There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Hmm. Rather appropriate. Yeah. Well, I think we'll we'll end on that that scripture. I was thinking about sharing another one, but okay. I think we can pray it up. All right, let's pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to spend together to uh, learn more about your Word, God, and. Uh, uh, it's just so uh, it's so amazing how we can um, spend more time in this book and 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 just never find the bottom. We never mm -hmm. we just new, learn something new, and each and every time we find a new way to expand our horizons, to open our aperture, to uh, find balance, and to uh, just learn more about the depths of your love and your your wisdom. God, we ask that you help us to be more like your Son, to be uh, ambassadors of Him as we go out into the world. And uh, we pray that you um, just forgive us of our many sins. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, so you're not doing it remotely. I'm not. Well, I can't get this. That's unfortunate. And, and cut. On that. Come over here. Yeah, for some reason that mouse isn't working. I don't know why. Hmm. We have video, we have...
goodness, I saw my face when I did that. There was just like a really crazy look in my eye. I apologize. I mean, that's easy. That's what? A, an admirable admission. 